Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. How's everybody doing? Survived uh, the long weekend last weekend? Back. So glad you're here with us this morning. Um, it's a, this is kind of a unique Sunday in that you, you'll see how that is, uh, and I'll kind of explain as, as I get going. But this is our, if we get a little feedback, is that... Um, this is our, our key scripture that we're, we're going through today, but it's, 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 it's around a principle. So I, I want to read it one more time, but I wa- here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this time and really go, okay, what am I examining in my life? And I'm going to give you some principles and some ways to do that because I think it's really important. It's really important. Whether you're in business, and I have a, 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 a side hustle I get to do um, some, some business work um, that, I, that I love, but one of the things that I, David here today, the, the owner of the company that I work with, but he, he, one of the things that we always talk about it is, is measurables. How do we measure that we're doing what we actually say we're doing? How do we, how do we know that our employees are actually doing what they say they're doing, what we've asked them to do? And, and, and you think about it, it's, it's a valid question. You're paying them to come and work in a space, and you're giving them money for that. And, and I think the principle, no, I don't think, I know that the principle applies in this thing called a relationship with Jesus. Now, it doesn't just apply there. It also applies in this thing called a relationship with my wife or a relationship with my friends. How do we know, do we examine that what we say I'm married to this woman, I love this woman, that I actually do what I say. Now, we usually don't have any problems with this, with this, uh, this principle in other areas of life. But rarely do I see, rarely, I'm generalizing, but uh, it, it, it seems rarer that you see Christians really examining their life to see if they are what they say they are, to see if they're in the faith. Let me read this one more time in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves. Literally, put that mirror in front of you. Look inward. Look inward to see whether you're in the faith. See, what that indicates is this, that you could maybe be saying that you're something, a Christian, but not really acting like it. Test yourselves, or do you not realize that this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. So uh, let me pray as we get going. Father, I, just, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that, that your word is the mirror that I look into that, that reflects who I am. Lord, it reflects my disobedience, but more importantly, it reflects your grace and your goodness. God, let us be men and women who examine our lives regularly to make sure we're who you say we are. 
Lord, speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, again, welcome. And, and this is uh, my 6-6 six, six message. There's not another six. Don't worry. Don't freak out. We're not going into end times. It's just two sixes, not three sixes. But I do this usually at the beginning of the year, and then I do it mid-year. So some of you have heard some of this, but it's about this principle of examining yourselves. And what I like to do is say, let's examine our church. Let's see if we're doing what God has called us to do. And it really came about, and, and again, many of you have heard this before, but if you've done any marriage counseling with Chris and I, or, or have done premarital or whatever, you'll, you'll know this principle because what we have found is in the last 26, how many years, six years of marriage, 26 years of marriage and countless, countless uh, marriage counseling, what we have realized and what we encourage people is, is around this six, six. And it's this, this is the principle that there's 12 months in a year, six and six. Okay. That if every January and every June you take time, and this is the marriage part of it, to get away with your wife or your spouse or your loved one. And you take two days. And then what you do is you look back the last six months and say, what did we do well? What do we need to do differently? And, and, and you have a really good time and, and, and that can be a little difficult because we, we ask to be really honest and, and look and, and, and I usually have to straighten Chris out at that point, which is hard, but I love her, so I do it because God says he disciplines those whom he loves and I love her and I want to make sure she's on track. Come on, lighten up people. You've had your donut and coffee. We all know it's me that gets in trouble. No. But, but it's just this conversation that we have about the last six months of our lives. And then what we do the next day is we go, okay, what about the next six months? What is it? How can I be a better dad? How can I be a better mother, a husband, wife, whatever it might be? But here's what we have found. That rarely is there anything in marriage, and I would apply it to life or in general, that, that happens in a six-month period that you can't unwind it. If you're examining your life, if you're really looking... Rarely is there anything that can happen in that that, that you can't unwind or, or really get a hold of. There are exceptions to every rule. I get it. But rarely, you know, it, I'll give you an example. Affairs don't happen. You don't just, I've never seen anybody walking, I've used this analogy before. I've never seen a guy walking down the street, all of a sudden he trips, he flies in the air, all of his clothes fall off and he falls on a woman. I haven't seen it. Has, I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. There's this time of disconnecting from your husband or for your wife. There's this time that slowly burns and, and, and it, it, you know, I don't know if it's six months, three months, I don't know, it's, it's long that pulls you away and into that. Hence the six and six. Rarely is there anything that I've seen that, that, that can't be readjusted in that six months. So what I want to do this morning is this. I want to look back the last six months of the church. If you're guest here today. It's great because you'll be able to see what we're all about, what we've been doing. If you're a part of this church, it's great because you'll be able to rejoice and, and celebrate with us in what we've seen the last six months and then what I believe God's calling us to the next six months. If you come twice a month, hey, you, you'll see half of what we've done and, and you'll be encouraged by the other half. Come on, that was better, much better. <laughs> I try to always ask the why question. You should always be asking the why question. You should always be looking. It says in, in Acts, the Brians were more 
wise than others because they search the scriptures for truth. You shouldn't just take what I say and go walk out and go, oh, that's right. You should take it, you should wrestle with it, you should find it and confirm it in God's word and then run with it. It's always good to ask questions and examine. So the questions that we asked when we do our 6-6 marriage and what we're gonna ask today is this. What did we do well? What could we have done differently? And then the next six months of this church, or if you're, you know, talking to your spouse, what are we gonna work on? And what is God saying? Those are the, some key questions. First of all, who are we? Who are we as a church? It's always good to remember who you are because here's what's happened. There's, there's one of two things that can happen. Either things are going really well and you forget who you are and you become a complete fill-in-the-blank jerk. No, no, that never happens to any of you. So there's this one side of things. You don't remember who you are because things are going well. There's another side of things. Things aren't going well. So you get down on yourself and you kick yourself and you, you say, I'm a loser and I can't do this and you know, that whole self-talk that's a joke. And, and we forget who we are in Christ Jesus. Remembering who we are is critical. Here at Pacific Point Church, what God has called us to is this. We are called to learn to love and live like Jesus. The simplicity of the gospel and what I believe he's called us to in this church is to just, let's take another step to learning to love and live like Jesus. Let's take another step to learn to love and live like Jesus. And then here's what you'll find. You'll take three steps backwards. And then you go, okay, come on, let's regroup. God, give me the grace. Give me, let me take four steps forward of learning how to love and live like Jesus. And then you take two steps back. It's this constant movement that happens. No, it, it never looks like this. It looks like this. Or should look like that. Why? Because we're fallible. And we mess up. What we value in this church is this. This is who we are. Up, in, and out. First and foremost, we value our relationship with God. We value our time with God. We value this, this intimacy with the creator of heaven and earth. First and foremost. Secondly, we value relationships with one another in this church and outside of this church. And thirdly, we talked about this, I think, last week, sharing our grace story. The up is our relationship with God. The in is within the context of, of people that God has placed in our lives. And the out is this, that we're called to be the hope in this hopeless world. And it's Jesus that lives in me that brings a light in the midst of the darkness. Out. Given my story. Give my story. We've been talking about this. The reality is this. You're the church. This building is not the church. That building down the street is not the church. You are the church. You're the hands and feet of Jesus. You take the love, the hope, the peace of Jesus, and it goes into your communities. It goes into your neighborhood. It goes into your workplace, wherever you are, because you are the church. I am not the church, you are the church. We are the church. I am not the pastor, we are the pastors. Each one of us should minister the gospel of Christ Jesus. Minister is an action word. It is, it is a verb, it, is that right? It's an action word, good, thank you. It, you're, you're going and, and <laughs> you, you think it's funny because you, 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 you're right with me, okay. It, it, you are the church. You're ministering the gospel of Christ by loving others well. You're ministering the gospel of Christ by helping neighbors. You're ministering the gospel of church by living such a way that people look at you and go, there's hope. There's hope. 
So what happened the last six months? What did the last six months look like at Pacific Point Church? What did we do well? And what could we have done differently? And you guys may have different suggestions. You can, you can text them to Chris. Um, but the, and I'm fine with that. And I, I just did a, just kind of a brief overview of what we did. 6-6, six, six, examining the last and, and looking at the next six. So first six months, what we did, and more importantly, what I want you to see is what God has done. And, and when I say what we have done, it's never, uh, uh, it's never absence of the Holy Spirit or God moving. Okay? Just so we're clear here. I have done nothing. The power of the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead that lives in me, he's done a lot. In you, in me, in this place. So what we've done is, is the obedience part to God coming along and empowering something. But there is a part that we play in obedience to what God calls us to. So what we did, more importantly, what God did the first six months. The word that I felt like God gave us each, each year, I, I pray and ask God, what, what is the word that you have for us? Or what is a phrase or something? And this is what I believe God gave us for this year. Jesus, the answer in you. If you remember, we kicked off a series, Jesus, the answer in you. And then what I said here is this. At the end of the day, the only thing I have is this, Jesus. I, I, at the end of the day, whatever your issue is, if we, if we go and we meet and we have coffee and we're talking about your husband, your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your work, your whatever, at the end of the day, I, the answer is Jesus in you. Period. It's not read the Bible more, although you should read the Bible more. It's not go to church four times a month, although I encourage you to go to church each week. It's not give more, although I encourage you to give. But those aren't the end. You don't rub the genie in the bottle and he gives you what you want. What he does is this. He says, know that the answer is in you. It's Jesus in you. And, and, and we got all these Christians, me included, that are looking for all these answers, trying to meet all these needs. And God just goes, the answer is Jesus in you. And, and, and what I felt like God was saying over this time is, is there are a lot of things that happened uh, between January and, and June. I mean, we didn't know where we were going to be. There's all these things. So I, I, I'm convinced this is, is for us. Not just today, not just this year, but each and every day. The answer, Jesus in you. Now, if, you if you don't access, if you don't seek, if you don't go after, if you don't ask... But when you look inside, and I look at so many of you in here today, and I, I, I'm going, God, that, the, the answer was Jesus in you. The answer to, you know, your difficulties was Jesus in you. The answer is Jesus in you. So that's what I believe God gave us. And then we kicked off the, the year in these message series, and God on time, killing giants, how beautiful their feet and generously flow, uh, generosity flows. With this, this, we talked about God being on time, that God is never late and God is never early, that God's timing is perfect. God's timing is perfect, and we said that he is on time, never late or early. Sometimes we don't like when he arrives or when he doesn't arrive, but we know that we know that we know that God is, is omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful, and that he is right on time. Then we kicked off into this series and we talked about killing giants, that there are giants in your life that need to be slayed, that there are giants in your life that you've been walking with, that you've allowed to, to uh, be in your life. And God's saying this season, Jesus is the answer in you and the answer is this, to slay the giants that you've allowed to live in your land. 
We talked about killing the giants. Then we went into this about how beautiful are the feet. And, and, and we spent, I don't know, eight weeks talking about how beautiful are the feet that bring the good news of the gospel. How beautiful are your feet that bring the gospel, the good news of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection to those who don't know you. What we talked about was that you have a part to play in this whole thing. You are the ministers that when God calls you with, and you get saved and, and you repent and you walk away from who you were, how do you not give the gospel of Jesus to others? How do you not work in, walk into your workplace and, and be a light? And how do you not walk into your neighborhood and be in your neighborhood and be a light in your neighborhood when you know what Jesus did in your life? He changes you. How beautiful are the feet. And we finished that series on, on the, the Sunday after Easter. Talk about Jesus bringing the gospel to us. And then the last three or four weeks, we talked about this, generosity flows. How God uses um, our generosity, whether it be through meals that we're asking you to have with others through the summer, whether it be with your finances and your giving to this church and to the ministry, whether it be your story that flows that people might hear of the gospel that is in you. And that's what God has showed us and walked us through. And some of the things that we, we got to experience this last year, we barbecues. If you left last week and didn't eat the barbecue, loser. It was so good. Wasn't it good? It was, I hope someone took it home with them. I didn't cook it. I don't know why you guys are clapping. I just ate it, you know, but we're going to get them back. They, that, and I needed to bring him up. They, do, they have a ministry where they cook for churches and they cook for the military. They're down at Camp Pendleton like I think two or three uh, weekends a month cooking for our, our military. But they, it's such a blessing to have them and do that. We've done barbecues. We did taco nights. We did worship nights here. We've done prophetic nights over the last year. We've had our Bible study for surfers. We have our young adults life group that is going on. We have our men's life group that, that is going on. We have our women's life group that is going on. We have all these things that are happening through this first six months of the year that God has been a part of. We've got life groups that won't stop. The Kellys, they just keep going. They just, people just keep showing up at their house and even though we're not in the middle of life group season but I love it because it says there's community and free food at Lori Kelly's house you didn't hear that part did you I said free food um, there you go so but it's it's community it's community so what did we see God do what do we just some general things we saw God bring people to a new faith in who he is we saw God grow and strengthen people in their, uh, their faith through discipleship, through ministry, through prayer. We saw, we saw God, people walk through the most difficult of situations and we saw Jesus in them meet every need. We saw him move in miraculous ways that just absolutely blows my mind. What did we see God do? In December... The last week, I think it was the last week of December, we went to the school and we heard them say, this is the last week you can meet in this school. I don't know if, it, maybe many of you don't, maybe you all know the story. We show up and they said, you cannot meet here anymore because it was during uh, the, uh, the Corona something version 5.0. I don't know which one it was. <laughs> one of them. You can't meet here anymore. We're meeting outside. We weren't even meeting inside. Literally within... A week's time, uh, this place. We went from them saying, you can't be here next week to being in this place. 
to be in, in this building. Now, it didn't quite look like that. It looked a little more like that. If you remember, if you didn't see it prior to the work that my wonderful wife and many of you have done in here, it was red. There was an American flag that many of you are still ticked off that we took it down. I had so many complaints that we didn't leave that up, but um, it's the Church of Jesus, not the Church of the United States of America. So, sorry, flag had to go. Um, what did we see God do? We, we saw him turn it into this. That's not a good picture, but we saw him turn it into this. From, from not having a place to meet, to literally walking over there to have a, a beer. Someone was having a beer. I was just watching them. Um, to having a, a beer over here and seeing a sign out front that says, for lease. A building that's perfect for our size. Calling on the phone, looking in the window. I'm calling on the phone. Alex, who owns this place, walks out of the building across the street. Some of you heard this, so forgive me if you already have. He comes out and he says, what do you want? I said, I want that building. He says, what do you do? I said, I'm a church. He's like, you think you can have this building? I said, absolutely, why not? He's like, do you have enough money? It's not a lie if God is God, right? Because he, he, he owns all the cattle on the hill. He can, he can multiply anything. So it's not a lie when he said, yes, we got enough money. It wasn't a lie because my father owns everything. Yes, we have enough money. Within days... I'm, uh, I'm signing a contract for this building. And then we got another thing. We, you know, you look at the building, we got to do some things to it. So we put together a budget uh, with Maggie and, and, and uh, Eddie and Chris, a group of us and said, okay, what, what, do we, what do we need? And we started asking. And God provided miraculously where we're at today. Now, here's what happened. It, when we first got the building, originally we said, well, let's put some, we, we thought it was just going to be this area, and we're like, we'll put children's church over here. Can you imagine? Children's church over here, and us over there, and this, uh, it would have been a, a nightmare. You guys would never come to our church anymore. So I looked around the side, and I saw these two garages. I'm like, hey, what's in those garages? And he's like, I had some cars in there. I'm like, you don't need cars in there. I said, why don't you give me those places? He's like, what? I said, I need those two spaces for children's church. Actually, I said one. And he's like, okay. I said, well, how about the other one too then? <laughs> to which he said, yes. He said, I got to charge a rent. I, like, I figured there was going to be rent involved. But he said, here you go. I mean, you want to talk about God's provision. I mean, weeks before we're going... <laughs> Are we even a church? Are we going to have anywhere to go? Are we going to, we're having a conversation with Chris and Eddie going, do we need to shut this thing down? Or are we going? And we're like, nope, God's called us to do something. And God just moves miraculously in spite of us. Blown away to see what God did. What has God done? We, saw, we see his faithfulness over and over again, in your lives, in my life, with this building financially, just God's faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. Sometimes it didn't look like I wanted it to look. I didn't want to know the week before we're getting kicked out that we're getting kicked out. I wanted to know six months before, but God said, trust me. For some of you out there, it, it, you know, you're in this trust stage and you want to know right now, and God says, just trust me. 
just trust. If you know that you know that I've called you, just take the step and trust and watch what I might do. And that's painful and very difficult for many of us. But today, God is asking some of you to step out and just trust and watch what he might do. Not easy. Not easy, but we watch God's faithfulness. Do you know how you grow in your relationship with God? You see his faithfulness time and time and time and time again. Then when you get to the crux in the road this, this far down, and it gets real difficult, you just go... I watched him do it before. Why wouldn't he do it now? He met my needs before. Why wouldn't he do it now? now here's the dangerous part. If you're not in his will. See, that, that is contingent upon you walking with God. When I'm walking with God, I have the heart of God, and difficulty comes, I go, okay, what are you going to do, God? If I'm walking outside of God's will, difficulty comes, don't rub the bottle and ask the genie to come and save you. We saw God do miraculous things. What could we have done differently? Ah, you know, I'm always thinking, gosh, is there someone I didn't reach? Now, therefore, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. This isn't a big, you know, heap condemnation on you, but, but it is this. Examine your lives. Look, is there a neighbor? Is there a friend? Is there a coworker? Is there someone that you could have brought the gospel to? Is there someone that you could have been the hands and feet of Jesus to that you didn't because you're disobedient, lazy, or just were afraid? I'm sure there is. I know there are in my life, so I'm, I'm assuming there are in your life. So how could I have done things differently? To be in one, be in sync with the Lord, so much so that when he tells me to go right, I go right. So much so when he tells me to talk to that coworker, I talk to that coworker. So much so when he says stop, engage that person, I stop and engage him and bring the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The third one is get involved. We need people to help with children's church. We would love to have people to help with ushering or greeting. We need people to help with, with different things, with women's ministry or men's women. You know, we, that QR code, it's in the back of your chairs on the thing each week that, that gives you ways to get involved. Um, and, and we need your help. We need your help. Love for you to be a part of what God is doing here. And you guys already do, do a lot, but I'd love for you to get involved. All right, what do the next six months look like at Pacific Point Church? What does it look, what do I feel like God's taking us? Where are we going to, what are we going to work on? What is God saying for us for this next six months? And about two weeks ago, I, I, was, I was praying and asking God this, and I called Eddie and Chris, and I'm like, I feel like God's saying some certain things. And, um, and, and Habakkuk 2 says this, and the Lord answered me, right the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. What, what does that mean? If God has given you something, if you have a purpose, if you have a calling, write it down. Write it down, put it in your pocket, and run. And when the enemy comes to steal, grab it, look at it, read it, and then run again. And when someone else tries to hijack the vision that God has given you, when you know the calling that God has given you and someone's saying, that's not, grab it, look at it, read it, and run. Write it down. Write it down. Proverbs 18 says, without a vision, people cast off restraint. When you have the vision written down, it guides you to where you're going, regardless of who tries to um, hijack it. Write it down. Upcoming message series. This is what we're doing the next, the next six months. This is what it'll look like, which is crazy. You guys are probably thinking, he barely knows what he's doing today. How does he know what he's doing the next six months? Hey, God does miracles. Okay, 
first one, 37. 37. 37% or 37 out of 100. Barna just came out with a study that says 30%, they're only 37% of pastors, not congregants, of pastors have a true biblical worldview. Think about that. Scary. Pastors are called to lead the church. Now, the real scary part in James 2 talks about not that many of you ought to be pastors because there'll be a stricter judgment. Oh, God, have mercy on the men who don't or women who do not walk in the fear of the Lord in this. 37%, about a third of pastors have a true biblical worldview. This is from Barna. Barna does phenomenal work in his surveys. That's crazy. You want to know why culture is overtaking the church? Do you want to know why the church doesn't have a voice anymore? It starts at the top where 37%, only 37% of the pastors live a true biblical worldview. Scary. So the question I ask you is this. What's a biblical worldview? Some of you may be able to knock it out. Oh, this is a biblical worldview. I, 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 want, to, I want to take the next eight weeks, and I want to break down what a biblical worldview is. Why? Because if you call yourself a Christian, if Jesus is the Lord of your life, a disciple of Christ Jesus, then you have to understand the parameters. You have to understand the foundation of what you're walking in and on. What is your biblical worldview? If you don't have a biblical, everybody has a worldview. If it's not a biblical worldview, what is it? What's defining what you do, what you say? So we're going to walk through that so that each of us might have that. Why is this series so important? Because the Christian worldview provides the framework for moral, ethical thinking. And a Christian worldview brings hope. A Christian worldview brings hope. And that's what we need as believers. After that, starting in August, we're going we're gonna to break into the book of James, and we're going we're gonna to spend a number of weeks just going line by line, just some expository uh, preaching on the teaching in the book of James. Great book, a lot of fun. I think, uh, I think you'll enjoy it. I, I like to do a book every once a year, but this we'll, we'll jump in that, and, and I think it'll be uh, a good time, which will take us all the way to November. But why is it James in this book so important? It's because it, 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 it patience and perseverance in, it, during trials and temptations he talks about. There's so much foundational stuff and principles in the book of James. James challenges and encourages us to live consistently with what we have learned from Christ. It, it is the be and do of Christianity, actually walking out your Christianity. That's why we're talking about these things. That's why we're examining our lives, because I don't want to be the church. When I say church, I am the church. You are the church. I don't want to be the church that says one thing and does another, because we see what happens in Revelation 2 with those churches. Scary. I don't, there is, a, there is a responsibility that I have as a pastor to guide and direct a, a, a flock of people, people, a church, and, and it, I am the fear of God with all the stuff that's going on in the world right now that anybody would walk out of here and just have a casual encounter with Jesus. Now, you may very well say, I don't want it. That's a whole other story. But what I can't handle is for us to be this mediocre, lukewarm body of Christ. 
Why? Because people are dying and going to hell apart from relationship with Jesus. They need Jesus. And Jesus that lives in you is the hope they need. Hence the book, James. In November, we always do a thankful message, so we'll, we'll do that. The reason that's so important is because thankfulness is the key to contentment and joy. It's key to contentment and joy. And then obviously in December, we'll do our Advent series. Why is this important? The Advent season invites us to step away from what can be you know, the crazy times of Christmas and, and life, and, and, and we consider how Jesus and his life impacted all of us. Do you know uh, Easter or Christmas Sunday is on the 25th this year? So you guys skip. You're all going to hell. Now, we, we <laughs> will encourage you to have church in your house with your family on that day. And I think God will be all right with it, okay? So it's an important time. Advent season is an important time. So we, we, will, we will be hitting that in December. What do I believe God is saying for the next six months? What do I believe? What's stirring inside of me other than, than the message series that I believe he's given us? There, there's several things, but in the next six months, what I, I, I just reaching the lost, that you guys will take what we have preached on, that we will take it and we'll reach the lost, our coworkers, our families, and our friends, that when we do those dinners that we talked about and when we share our great stories, that people will have an expectation that God will move and that people's lives will actually get changed. What do I believe God is saying? We have an opportunity I mean, go big or go home. We have an opportunity. Behind this wall is another, how was it, like 3,000 square feet that Alex was just offered. Someone came to him and said, I want that space. And this guy, I was talking this week, and he, I said, Alex, someone offered him money for that backspace. He said this. He said, you know what? My buddy's got a church in the front space. He, first of all, he said my buddy, which uh, that just... <laughs> But he's like, my buddy's got a church in the front space. And I, I think, I think he, he's going to want to move into that back space, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just hold off. That, that's, that's cash dollars to a landlord with a church that we don't know how much money they got. <laughs> that is, I, that, this is, God uses these men in miraculous ways. So I'm like, go big or go home. All right. We don't have the money, but I'm going to believe God. When we're talking about generosity, if this is your church, I'm asking you to give towards the vision of this church. And what I believe is we're going to take that back space, we're going to build it out, and we're going to make it up for our children, our youth. Because we're starting to get a lot of kids. I believe God is calling us to add a youth leader, a director, someone that can work with our young, young kids. Really important as we grow. And then lastly, um, get involved. Find a way. Be a part, host a small group, lead a small group, help us. It's your church. It's not mine. It's our church. It's Jesus' church. But if you, if you feel like this is home, then there's some ownership that goes with it. There's some ownership that goes with it. And how will we do this? We're going to continue to learn to love and live like Jesus. How? To, how? Our relationship with God first and foremost. My, in, my, my personal relationship with God. My intimacy with God. 
The place that, that no one else experiences except for me. That place where you experience God in your quiet time with your word. That place where you experience this relationship with the creator of heaven and earth. We're going to continue to experience him in greater ways. And then out of that, our relationships with one another. Our relationships with one another grow. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand with brothers and sisters that are going through difficult times. We're going to stand with brothers and sisters who are going through whatever they're going through right now. We're going to help. We're going to, we're going to believe. We're going to pray with. We're going to lay hands on. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to be a community of believers in Acts 2 that, that literally comes together to stand with our church. And the last thing we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to share the great stories. We're going to share. There's some of you in here that are going, gosh, it keeps hitting this and it's just not going to happen. I'm, I can't do this. And I'm here to tell you, you're going to do it. And, and I don't mean that in a, in a I'm going to, you know, force you into and pull your arm behind your back. And, no, 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 no. I mean it in this way. As you submit yourself and you just go, okay, God. As you submit who you are to God and go, okay, John said it, your word says it. It must be true because your word says it, not because he says it, but because your word says it. So God, use me. For some of you, use me is going to be like, look like this, cooking a meal for someone and then telling them why. For some of you, it's going to be like you're sitting down face to face and you're going to say, you need to repent to get right with Jesus. Some of you guys are like freaked out by that. But some of you, that's, for some of you, it's a smile, it's a hello. For some of you, it's a meal. But here, for all of us that have a relationship with Jesus, you will share your great story. Why? Because the Bible calls us to. Because the Bible calls us to. We will continue, continue to love and live like Jesus. We'll grow in our relationship with the Lord. This is something that we, we grabbed a hold of in 2021, and we're continuing. The Word, Pray, Worship Day. Word, Pray, Worship. We, in the Word, reading and journaling every single day. Prayer in conversations with the Lord each and every day. Through music and through words, we worship each and every day. That's what God has called us to. The simplicity of the gospel is the beauty of the gospel. And it starts with his word. It starts with his word. And then what we've talked about in reaching others through meals, through giving, through our stories. That this summer, I'm asking you, and I want stories. I want to hear the stories. I'm asking you to be very deliberate, to put on your calendar an invite for people to come into your home and have dinner or for you to go into someone's home and have dinner or for you to invite them to dinner somewhere. I'm asking you to be very intentional with people. I'm asking you for, to look for opportunities to give, give of yourself. I'm asking you to look for opportunities to give of your talents. I'm asking you to give financially to this church. I'm asking you to tithe to this church. Then I'm asking you over the summer, as we said, as you ask God to give you the opportunity, I'm asking you to share your story. Share your story with someone. It sounds redundant, and I've got it in every single point that I've given so far. Are you getting the point? God wants to use you in miraculous ways. And your story matters. 
And God's redeeming your story and he's building your story and he's writing your story. And Ephesians says you're, you're, you're a living epistle that everybody's reading. That's what I want our church. If there's only you 60 people in our church forever, that's all right as long as we're doing what God has called us to do. But here's what I know. If we're doing what God has called us to do, he adds. He adds. And God is doing that. Preach the gospel and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Romans 10, 15. You know it by now. You know it well. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now go and be the church. Go and be the church. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. Go and be the church. That's what the next six months look like. That you and I would be the church. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for these men and women. I thank you for this congregation of ministers. God, that you would uh, go before us, that you would move on our behalf. God, that you would uh, give us opportunities to preach the gospel. That, Lord, we'd be generous in our love. Lord, that we would give. God, I thank you for the stories that you're writing over this summer. Lord, give us the grace to do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 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 Oop, there you go. You know, as we stay in this attitude of worship, this is the time that we receive communion. One of, uh, one of our values as a church, too, is, is communion. Because we believe, as the Bible says, that, that uh, when you come together, he says, do this in remembrance of me. It's not the only time that you can do it on Sunday mornings. You can do it with your family. You can do it throughout the week. But there's something about when you guys all come together that we're able to receive. There's something special about that. And it says this in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four. And when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and said, this is my body, which is for you. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And they took the bread and they ate it. And he goes on and he says, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And they received. Father, I thank you for your son who died on the cross for my sins some 2,000 years ago. God, that we can walk free. God, go before us. Let us be the church, Father. I thank you for who you are. In Jesus' precious name, amen.